Hello everyone and welcome to the Australian Performing Arts Teachers Association APADA podcast. APADA acknowledges the custodians and elders past and present of the land on which we work, practice, rehearse, perform and present across Australia. We pay respects to the cultural authority and traditions of the land. The first peoples of this nation express their culture through music, dance and storytelling and it is a privilege to continue a tradition of storytelling and performance in this country. We acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples as the first Australians and traditional custodians of the land where we live, learn and work. Everybody. Lou here today hosting the APADA podcast and it is an absolute joy and opportunity to sit down and have a conversation with Glory St. Germain who is based over in Canada. Glory is the founder, CEO and author of the Ultimate Music Theory series. She has been an educator in music over the past 35 years as well as delivering and building her skills, she has developed some amazing resources to help us all as music teachers. And this includes the Elite Educator Program. Gloria is a registered music teacher. She's also a neuro-linguistic practitioner, and she has served across numerous associations, worked as a composer, built her own school, and we will hear about some of these wonderful resources as we chat through our podcast today. And gratefully, Laurie has also given us a few what she calls teacher gifts, um, which we'll share with you at the end of the podcast and where you can access those. Thank you so much for joining us today, Glory, and welcome to the APADA podcast. Thank you so much, Lou. It's an honor to be here and it's wonderful to connect, you know, globally around the world and just uh, learn from other educators so we can support each other. So thanks for having me. Oh, thank you so much for making the time. Very grateful. Just working through some questions and conversation with you today, I thought a really great way to lead in is where for you did it all begin? You have been in music. Music is your life. You are all about the music. Where did it begin for you? Well, I guess um, I grew up in a very musical family. Um, my parents were both instrumentalists and everyone in my family played an instrument. So for me, it was not an option. It was like brushing your teeth. You play your instrument every day and you practice. And it was part of our culture in our family. So I guess I was blessed with that. And when you develop that love early, which is why I'm so passionate about um, helping teachers teach young children, because, you know, that becomes just a natural instinct. And, and I think they're, they're not afraid to kind of step in and do it and sometimes with adults we need to encourage them a little more so um that was kind of my beginning i was just get in there and jump on the piano and start playing <laughs> so is the piano your main instrument or do you work yes. across other as well so piano mainly 
Yes, for me, piano mainly. And uh, we have five children and they're all musically talented. My, I, of course, had to marry an entertainer. Uh, so my <laughs> husband uh, plays guitar, and, and, but he's ultimately known for, uh, as a vocalist, he's a singer-songwriter, entertainer. Um, he's uh, very famous in Canada. He's in the Canadian Country Music Hall of Fame. And all of our children are in the entertainment industry. So we definitely carry on the legacy of the St. Germain family. <laughs> oh, and they will too, I'm sure. That's wonderful. Working with teachers and mentors, uh, you know, you hold numerous courses. Um, what are the lessons that you've learned as you have a, you have a global audience, you're, you're speaking to teachers from right around the world all the time. What are the lessons um, you learned or the advice that you give to teachers um, as they might be building the school? They might even be veterans, but what's some common threads there that you would chat with teachers about quite often? Yes, absolutely. That's a great question. Um, when I first, uh, I'll back up a little bit. When I was uh, teaching music theory, I found that the materials that I looked at at that way back when, uh, they were very challenging for young children. And because I taught young children and studied early childhood education, I realized that there needed to be a simple way to teach you know, you know, young children and to teach a complete music theory program that would help them through all phases of their education from the very beginning all the way to the end, regardless of if they were studying classical, pop, jazz, whatever instrument they were playing. So that's how my journey began as an author. When I began speaking and presenting at conferences at, uh, you know, music um, uh, summits and conferences around the globe, the common question was, how do you teach music theory? And I found that that's when I had that light bulb moment, as they call it, to say, I need to create a course to help teachers know how to teach music theory. Because for many of us, we go to conferences and it's always about, um, well, if you're a pianist, it's about technique and arm weight and you know dynamics and phrasing. And, and they talk about that. But a subject, which is the universal language of music, which is the most essential thing you need to talk about is, do you understand music theory? And that has been a light bulb moment for me. And when we created the Ultimate Music Theory Certification Course for Teachers, we just had teachers saying thank you because it encompasses so, so much. And you asked about what was a common question. And that I think was, you know, how, well, two things in particular. One was how can we really generate revenue to increase our income, which is how we teach teachers how to teach theory club classes regardless of what ages the kids are or what, what levels they're at. So we facilitate that, which increases your income. And the second thing was, how do we really communicate effectively to you know, each individual student and how do we identify their learning style? So that was kind of the common things that I learned as a presenter, just you know, as we talked before we came on live. What are those questions that everybody wants to ask, but they're a little bit nervous of asking? Um, and that got us on our path to create the um, Ultimate Music Theory Certification Course, which includes you know, neurolinguistic programming and you know, all the elements of how to be an ultimate music theory teacher. Wonderful. And just because you've mentioned it, the neurolinguics um, practitioner, what, what, how did you come across that and how do you implement that? Can you tell us a little bit more? Yes, absolutely. So neuro-linguistic programming, neuro is how we think, linguistic is how we uh, communicate, and programming is how we get the results that we get. So neuro-linguistic programming, um, you know, was back in the 1970s, Richard Bandler, and 
I actually learned about it from uh, Dr. Wyatt Smallwood. I was attending a business conference in Chicago. I was there for a week and he actually started me on my path. And then I actually completed the course. There's a lot of training that goes into it and lots of homework. And I used a few techniques on my husband to see if they actually worked, which was really interesting. But it, it taught me so much and I realized how important it is to know about visual, auditory and kinesthetic learners and the communication skills that we have and how, you know, um, when we think about communication skills, 7% is words. And it's really important that we understand physiology, 55%. So how do we communicate whether we're standing at the front of the room and it's just, it's something that I really was passionate about incorporating into the certification course because those are essential tools as teachers. And oftentimes, you know, as I mentioned, Lou, it's not something that we necessarily talk about and yet we all need them. We need to know how can we communicate effectively. And I don't care if you've been teaching for 20 minutes or 20 years, you, you can always learn uh, any PD, never ending professional development. And I continue to learn to this day. And um, that's why we really teach teachers how to become more effective communicators with NLP. Because you're dealing with, um, you might even have like a club or a class, but there's a lot of individuality in there, isn't there? That, that you really, yeah. how do you go about determining or working through um, individual needs in a, in a class environment? Yes, that's such a good question. I'm glad you asked that because I was thinking that and then I didn't think about it until you asked the question. So here's the really interesting thing, Lou. So when I'm presenting, and now you'll know my secret. So when I am presenting a workshop, I actually speak all three languages. I speak visually, auditory, and kinesthetic. And when you engage in all three learning modalities, you actually learn faster. And that's why when you're teaching a theory club class and you present the material through visual, auditory, and kinesthetics, so you engage in all three of those modalities, that's why the kids learn faster. So here's the thing. Everyone has a certain learning style that is predominant. Children have like a strong single modality for learning. And they're either visual, auditory, or kinesthetic. And as we get a little bit older, then we can be, you know, a combination of more than one. We kind of adapt to that. And most people might think, well, everybody learns by doing. And in fact, we do. You can't play the piano if you don't do, you know, get on the keys and learn how to play the piano. But when we actually engage in the act of writing, we actually retain, retain 30 to 40% more information than if we just sit and listen or if we just watch. So even if you're a visual learner, you might, you know, not think that it's important to take notes, but in fact it is. And for any of the educators that have participated in any of my workshops, including the summit that you were so lovely to be uh, one of our guest speakers, international speakers, um, there's a workbook. You're, you're going to take your workbook and you're going to listen, you're going to watch, and you're going to write visual, auditory, and kinesthetic. And that's why you retain so much information. And it's one of those practices if we can have students starting that process from the beginning, um, it, it flows all the way through, through their entire you know, learning life. And we're always learning, aren't we? So um, if we can embed those, those, those skills from an early age, it just becomes second nature and we get to absorb and learn more. Yes, I want to share a little story with you. 
Um, when I often ask teachers, what is your learning style? Do you know? And some of them will say, oh yes, you know, I'm, I'm a visual learner. Or they, they think they are. But how do you know that? And when I first started studying neurolinguistic programming, you know, I thought for sure I was a kinesthetic learner. That's just what I thought because I like to do things. Well, after I went through the training, I realized, oh, I am a visual learner, 100% visual. So the reason I want to share this story with you is that one of the teachers who completed the Ultimate Music Theory Certification course, and she called me up, she said, Glory, I need to tell you a story. I said, oh, I love stories. Oh, this is great. So she said, here's what happened. She said, after taking your training, she said, I always thought that, you know, I was a kinesthetic learner. I said, funny, you know, I did too. She said, found out that I was visual. She said, here's the thing. I have this student that I teach and yeah, I've been teaching him for a few years. And she said, we like each other. He, you know, he does what I ask him to do, but there's just something that we're not connecting on. And I don't know what it is. And she said, every week when he comes for his lesson, he always says, you know, well, well, could you play it for me? And she said, I always say, no, no, you know, you can read your music. We're learning to read our music. And that's what I insist on. She said, so after taking your course, I realized that, oh, you know, there's a great saying. And that is, if a student can't learn the way you teach, maybe you should teach the way the child learns. And so she said, I remember you saying that. And she said, so I thought, all right, I will try something different. So she said, after I did the assessment, which is part of the training, she said, I realized that he's an auditory learner, which is something that I am not. So she said, he came into his lesson and I said, today I'm gonna play for you. And she said, oh, his eyes just lit up. He was like, you're gonna play, you never play for me. So already he was like, you know, a little happier. So she said, I played this song called The Adams Family that goes, you know, ba-da-da-dum, ba-da-da-dum, you know. So she's reading the music, she played it for him. And then she took the music away and said to him, now you hop on the piano bench and you play it. And she said, he just hopped on the piano bench and he played it. And she said, I just sat there in complete shock because she said, I could never do that. And she said, then we opened the book and we had an entire lesson on analysis and how the music moved and how we connected the sound to the images on the page. And she said, it was the most magical lesson I've ever taught in my life. And she said, when he left, he looked me straight in the eye and he said, that's the best piano lesson I ever had. Aww. And she said, I was just like, I had tears in my eyes and I had to call you and share that with you. And I said, that really means a lot to me because it was the breakthrough moment for her when she realized that she needs to just be open to, you know, teaching in different ways. And if we don't know how our students learn, we cannot be effective educators. It's a, it's a big part of um, students moving forward to realizing their enjoyment in how we deliver our own style as well. And I think it's really great that, you know, if that teacher's embraced the student need, it's changed that entire class around. It's just gorgeous. Absolutely. She's having a blast right now. <laughs> That's great. Um, We've been through some really unusual times and um, we've got, you know, communities globally um, due to the pandemic that have had to really change how they connect, how they teach classes, um, how they still have that rapport. A lot of it's, you know, been online, um, lots of digital. So lots of changes there in the classroom. How have you personally adapted for yourself and, and for your own teaching and the ultimate music theory? How have you adapted to changing times? 
You know, it's, uh, it's, it is, it is challenging. Uh, a year ago, you know, I was teaching in my, in my studio the next day we were all online and I saw, you know, I mean, I'm an online educator, so at least I had the skill set, but many teachers didn't. And so we think we always have to support our students, our students, our students. But the truth of the matter is that I realized I, yes, I need to support my students, but more importantly, I need to need to support teachers out there. Uh, and at that point, I created the UMTC Elite Educator Program, which teaches teachers how to teach online, how to create and run their businesses, because let's face it, uh, there is, you know, depression, kids are stuck in their rooms, they're learning online, everything, everything has changed. And it will not be the same for a long time to come. And I think you have two choices. You can either just give up and then, you know, go sit in your garden and cry, <laughs> or you can embrace technology and say, you know what, give me a minute and let me learn something new. And this is, I kind of have a smile on my face right now because we expect our students to learn new things every single week. And they yet do. as teachers, we're like, what do you mean? I don't know how to do Zoom. I don't know how to teach online. I don't know how to, you know, get a camera angle to show, you know, students my guitar or my, or my drum set, or I don't know how, well, learn. You're a teacher for heaven's sakes. <laughs> so I kind of had to play a little hardball with some of the teachers saying, listen, you know, it's fun to learn. Embrace it. It's about attitude and gratitude. And that's what I live by. Be grateful that we can teach online. Be grateful that our students want to learn and be grateful that there are places where you can learn new things. So, um, and then just jump in and do it. Um, and you know, not everyone feels perky when they hear that, but I think we can help each other through these times. Technology has taken us a, a long way. And um, I, I suppose most of us as teachers um, and educators, are, we're really grateful to have those tools. And even though we had to teach ourselves and, and learn a lot, which I think for many of us was quite challenging because it did exactly, as you say, happen overnight, um, most definitely. Um, but they're also running, there's those working in the education system where resources may have been behind for that school. And that was a, that's a big catch up when we think about the size of those systems. And we also have teachers who are running their own business. And I don't think teachers really thought about themselves until a little bit down the track. They, they basically just hit the road running and were doing everything they could to support the student. And the mental health side for teachers came later. Mm -hmm. Did you find that talking to teachers in the community that, you, that everyone had to pause for a minute and just collect themselves as we went through this process? Absolutely, Lou, a hundred percent. I think you, you absolutely nailed it. We, we were so uh, busy with thinking about our students and trying to survive with our business, making sure that we could still teach our students and, and get and you know, we had to go find books because now for myself, I had to buy all the books that my students normally brought into their music lesson. Um, and so resources and scrambling and we were so busy caught up that when it finally, you know, hit and it's why and you know I created the uh, the summit the um, global healing power of music summit was to finally say okay let's just help teachers for a minute because you know we've talked about the frontline workers and we've talked about them a lot but I think the greatest you know glue that has kept the rest of the world together has been teachers and 
as certainly music teachers, because I've found too, for some kids, they're depressed, they're, they're um, anxious, they're, they don't know what's going to happen. And the one thing that has just kind of held them together by a thread has been their music. And I'm so grateful that music teachers have, you know, supported their kids, but it's really important that we take care of ourselves. And so often we just think, well, I'm okay. Mm, not really though, you know, when, and you know, you were part of, you know, so graciously we're, we're a part of the, um, uh, you know, the Global Healing Power of Music Summit to, to reach out and say, it's okay, we get you. And here's some solutions and some ideas. And that was probably the greatest joy for me takeaway is that all these teachers from around the globe, and this is what tells you that the world is connected. You know, music teachers are music teachers. I, you know, I traveled from Singapore to Israel to Australia to the US to Canada to uh, South Africa. I mean, oh my goodness, I can't even remember all the countries. Um, Ireland, uh, it, was, it was a global um, conversation, but the conversation came back to um, taking care of ourselves as teachers. What can we do? And what are the signs that we are maybe aware of within ourselves that are saying, hey, you need to pause and take a, a little, you know, mental health day or whatever you want to call it for yourself. And I spoke to one teacher earlier, she's in Dubai. And I said to her, so what are you doing for yourself? And she said, you know, Glory, she said, after we had our conversation, she said, I actually just went to the beach. Well, I'm in Snowland. I'm in Canada and it's snowing, <laughs> but she went to the beach. And she said, because of that, our conversation, she said, I thought I'm just going to take a half a day. So she said, I went to the beach and I just sat in the sun. And she said, and I've been so like busy, 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 you know, all connecting all these things. And she said, and then like halfway through the day, I was having such a lovely time. I decided to take the whole day off. <laughs> and I said, well, good for you. And she said, I just put on, you know, some sunscreen. And she said, I, I took a day for myself. And I think that's what the message is, is just take time for yourself. You, you need to do that sometimes. It's, it's really Yeah, it really is. Yeah, really important. So looking forward, um, Glory, what do you think are the, some of the biggest challenges ahead of us as teachers on, you know, over the next, say, couple of years? What do you think that um, are our biggest challenges, whether you're in a school education system, whether you're running your own studio? I think, the, I think one of the biggest challenges is, um, is personally making the decision as to uh, what, what lights you up. What do you want to do? What is your passion? As an educator, I always say, you know, our, our motto is enriching lives through music education. And I think some of the challenges are is that you're, you get too busy and caught up without taking think time. You know, when I do my coaching calls for my UMTC Lead Educator Program, we talk about professional development, we talk about, um, you know, your goals, and we talk about um, what, how do you want to serve? And so you need to make a decision. If you love teaching online, well, maybe you want to stay teaching online. You want to come back into hybrid, you, you know, then, then teach online, teach a little bit in studio. But I think the, the biggest challenge for teachers, I think, is, is not really taking time to make um, some tough decisions about what do you really want to do? And I see that a lot. I see teachers that have those aha moments when they say, you know what, I love teaching in the school system, 
that's what I don't want to be teaching online. And as soon as it's safe to do so, I want to be there. But above all else, always continue, you know, going to summits and workshops and networking and don't lose the nucleus of the community because that's where you're going to really serve. And, and you know, you and I talked earlier and said just about having the community go yes. there and help not only help others, but don't be afraid to put up your hand and say, hey, I have a question. I need help. Here's where I'm at. And someone will be more than happy to help you. Absolutely. And, and we were saying before that um, chances are your question is already resonating with somebody else in the audience um, who have a similar question. Um, and um, the more we're open, the more we talk about where we are or where we need to go, we're learning from each other all the time, which is just fantastic. Absolutely. So as a global music community, how do we keep in front and stay prepared for the future. I think the last, you know, 18 months has showed us that we're not really sure sometimes what's around the corner as much as, you know, we, we think we're in control of our environments and our lifestyle and all those types of things. In a blink, it all changed. How do we stay prepared for the future to keep moving forward as, as a music community and a global music community? Mm -hmm. I think that the key for me anyway, I'm just speaking personally, is to definitely maintain the relationships that you have made during this pandemic when you've reached out to maybe someone around the globe and now maybe, oh, you know, you're back teaching in your studio and so you don't need that resource anymore and we kind of lose touch. I think, you know, and I'm so thrilled that I've met you, Lou. I mean, it's, we've chatted a few times now and I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna come visit you sometime. Like just because things maybe will return to normal, it, now more than ever, we can reach out to that community. And we've talked a lot about that, um, you know, struggles ahead. Uh, we need to just continue with education, with attending conferences, with maintaining communities. And, and also, you know, some of the things I see on Facebook is sometimes you don't be afraid. Like there is that hesitation about being visible, you know, online, yes. or what if someone finds me on Facebook? I, don't live your life in fear. It, it's just, it's false evidence appearing real. That's a little NLP tip for you. It is false evidence appearing real. Like it, you can't live your life in fear. Live your life, be joyful, be grateful. And, you know, turn the music up loud, get up and dance. Like to me, that's what it's all about. And honestly, when we think about the future, sometimes it makes, it puts us in a fearful place. So we need to plan for the future, but we need to live today in the moment and just appreciate all the magical things that we have and how we're all connected. And I think that's just what keeps me going. My husband sometimes tells me I'm annoyingly happy. <laughs> <laughs> what a lovely comment. That's fabulous. And it is, it's so true. It's, it's one of those things that sometimes I think, you know, the weight that comes down with what's going on around you. And, and I always say, well, what can you do? Yes. Focus on what you can do today or next week. Um, and that keeps us all moving forward in, in, in you know, whatever your capacity may be. Um, what can you do? I think, you know, the important thing to ask yourself. So you've just held your second global summit, yeah. moving towards the third. Um, yes. And we've talked about that throughout this conversation. And you've spoke to 40, 45 music teachers across the globe. Like you said, well, from Singapore to Ireland, 
oh yes, well actually I'm I'm probably closer to a hundred now. Because oh, we, there you go. <laughs> yes. Yes, so I've, I've, I've traveled the globe, um, and certainly even including in our IUMTC Lead Educator Program, we have educators from all around the globe. So we, you know, we go from Hong Kong to Singapore to here to there. And, you know, we, the wonderful thing is that we share those ideas and techniques of how you might have never thought of doing teaching that way. And it's really created this freedom for me as a teacher to try new things. You know, sometimes you've been teaching for, you know, 35 years and you get a little stale. Like, let's just be honest. Anyone that says, oh, I'm always fresh as a daisy. I'm like, no, you're not. You know, <laughs> sorry to burst your bubble, but no, you're not. You do the same thing the same way. You have your little lesson plan and it's time to shake things up a bit. And I always like to try new things. When I learn something new, I want to implement it. And I always say um, speed of implementation. When you hear, uh, and I hope all of the, the listeners here are going to go and listen to the session that Lou did with us on the uh, Global Healing Power of Music Summit and listen to the words that she shared and take that and use that and implement that because you know it was wonderful to hear you and the ideas that you shared. And now I'm gonna go and implement them because that's what I like to do. I wanna oh, learn Thank them. you. Go do it. <laughs> Look, it was just a, a wonderful experience and as you said, to um, hear of others speak and um, what they've been through, how they've come out the other side, um, what their thoughts are. You are learning of people the whole time and there is definitely listening to everybody. There's an aha moment for everyone. Who, whoever listens, there is a where you can go, oh, I can take that. I can think about that, I can implement that. Um, and then I think also the other thing that it evokes is for listeners to go, I wanna be a part of that. I'm jumping on board that train. And I, I think it's, it was for me, and thank you so much for the invitation, thoroughly enjoyable. Um, I had a really good time and, um, but listening to the others, you know, invaluable with what um, others have just openly given and shared um, across, you know, their own personal journeys and their own experience. And it was, it's truly invaluable learning to listen to others and, and realise that you're just surrounded by this wonderful global community of people just willing to support, assist and share. Yes. You know, I, I will give, uh, you know how they say it's a spoiler alert when you tell what's, what's going to happen at the end of the movie. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to give you a spoiler alert right now. As people uh, watch the um, Global Healing Power of Music Summit, and they're going to go, it's it's there's a, it's seven days, and when you get to day four, and you hear the speakers, you will hear in the in the third uh, in the second last session, uh, you will hear of a father speak about his son. His name is Jeff, and he speaks about his son who was taking piano lessons since you know, the age of two, very, very musical. By the time he was 14, he already was a recording artist. He had multiple CDs out, very, very talented, played saxophone, played piano. And so he's talking about his son. Um, so his son, when he was 14 years old, he um, had a cleft palate and he went in for day surgery to repair his cleft palate. And what happened uh, in this just day surgery routine procedure is that the bone from his nose was shoved up into the frontal lobe of his brain and he became paralyzed on the right side of his body. So what do you do now with this child? Like 
will he never ever play music again? What will happen to him? He's changed forever. I mean, he'll never be the same. Um, so that is the second last interview. And then in the last interview, after Jeff talks about his son, he's a dad, um, you will see that student who will tell his story. And that student happens to be my student, Connor. And it's, I don't want to tell you everything, but it's a powerful, powerful message. And, and it was just sort of a little gift from the universe. You know, when I create these summits, I never quite know how it's all going to wrap up at the end. And just the way it all fell together, I went, what a perfect ending because you learn all these strategies about healing and there's educators in there that, you know, one of the teachers who, you know, was walking around teaching and then, you know, because of an illness, she's now teaching in a wheelchair. And she said, because she's online, no one knows. And she said she had never shared her story before going from, you know, being this vibrant teacher to sitting in a wheelchair, but you can't tell, right? So she said, you know, I, I teach online. But anyway, there's just so many stories to share. So I hope that everyone has a chance to watch it because it's really important messages that it makes you a little more um, understanding of, of uh, you know, sometimes it can be in our mind like the depression and sometimes it's a physical thing, right? So either way, you, you need to know how can we deal and how can we help our students. And it's, it's empowering for all of us. It really is. So, Laurie, thank you so much for your time today. As always, a pleasure. And you said we've spoken quite a few times over the last, you know, few weeks, which has been fantastic. So a big thank you. For our listeners out there, please embrace um, the summits that Glory has put together and you can access them. You'll find that information um, at the bottom of the podcast so you can link directly to that and have a look. And of course, Glory, who I'm sure you won't mind, she's known as giving away gifts all the time. Um, Glory has some gifts that she's given us at the bottom of that um, podcast that you can share, you can download, you can read and just absorb this wonderful information. Tell us a little bit about those gifts, Glory. Yes. So there's two presents. Um, I do like to give presents. I was born on Christmas Day and my mom said I was a wonderful present and I love to give presents. So I have two presents uh, for you today. So the first present is our free um, Ultimate Music Theory Teacher's Guide. Uh, it is a huge resource for you. I think it's 22 pages. There's learning styles in there. There's all kinds of amazing things. So just enjoy this free resource. I created it for you. Uh, and feel free to reach out if you have more questions or want to learn more about our programs. And the other free gift that I have for you is a little mini course uh, on how to teach basic rudiments. And it is, uh, there's 12 videos and they're just little mini, little mini videos. I think they're just like 10 minutes at, at the most. So easy to watch. And they just basically cover one concept from each of the lessons in the uh, basic rudiments workbook. And uh, there's also another little present inside that um, uh, free uh, course for you guys. And it is called the five, I'll just hold it up because it's a long sentence. It is the five secrets to naturally teaching students using psychological strategies with advanced learning systems. That's the title of the book. <laughs> so I love it. <laughs> that's, that's inside your basic rudiments mini course is that ebook as well as the additional uh, music teachers ebook that I created. So you're kind of getting two ebooks and and a course. So. Oh. Uh, 
Thank you, Glory. What we'll do is we'll share that with our community most definitely. And we'll also pop your website up there. So for any teachers, anyone in music, doesn't matter your background, how experienced you are or not, make sure that you connect with um, Glory St. Germain at Ultimate Music Theory at www.ultimatemusictheory.com. And of course, we'll also pop those details all up on the podcast. So we're one click away from connecting with Glory and following more of her path and what teachers are doing with her. Thank you so much, Glory. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, thank you so much, Lou. I hope to come visit you sometime. <laughs> oh, same. I could do with a bit of snow. It's a balmy 34 degrees where I am. <laughs> so definitely sunscreen country. <laughs> yes. Well, enjoy your sunshine and I'll enjoy my snow for now. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you, Glory. Take care. Thanks, Lou. Bye now.